Hi, I'm Erica, and I'm a queer, neurodivergent member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I'm on a mission to spread empathy and create inclusion and understanding. I'm so glad you're here. So today I'm super excited to have my first official guest on the podcast, besides my husband, but this is this is a little bit different. Um, today we have Carrie Justfig. Hi, Carrie. Hello. <laughs> I'm so excited you're here. And Carrie's going to share with us um, about seeing the ability in disability and how we can have more empathy and understanding um, for those who are different than us in their abilities. So Carrie, could you tell us about yourself and give us a little background? Sure. Yeah. So I um, was born and raised in Southern California. Um, I had a stay-at-home mom who um, had eight kids. I'm the second oldest. and the oldest of eight kids? Yep. Wow, cool. And... Yeah, I grew up uh, in the LDS church, um, very active, and it was a huge part of our family's life. Um, And yeah, very early in my life, I remember going to kindergarten, and there was a girl in the class that had um, a pretty severe physical um, and cognitive disability, even to this day, I don't actually even know what it was, but um, I remember feeling like very at ease around her, um, very comfortable around her. I remember my mom telling me, you know, she's acts a little different, but we still treat everyone with love and respect. And um, for me, honestly, it was like a break almost because this person didn't seem to care as much about what other people thought they didn't worry about fitting in and it was like oh I can get behind that you know yeah (laughs) um so it was almost like a I don't like a pass you know like oh I can hang out with this person and there's no pressure to be a certain way Mm. um almost like we didn't have to follow the same social norms or there weren't those high social stakes, you know, of being cool or being accepted or not accepted. And um, anyway, and so, yeah, even, I mean, I moved on to, I remember in third and fourth grade, um, we also had some individuals in my class with different disabilities. And I don't know if it was just, I just felt a huge amount of compassion or just like I almost think it was I treated them the way I wish people would treat me like I wish people saw me in a way where I didn't have to be a certain way to be loved and accepted yeah um so anyway yeah that was kind of um some of my early exposure to individuals with um kind of different abilities um and kind of the social dynamic of like them being perceived as an outsider. Yeah. And someone that didn't belong and didn't fit in. Someone who was labeled as, yeah, like disruptive. 
Mm. You know, like I saw some teachers struggle with, you know, these students. I saw kids be mean to these students. I was even, you know, kids were mean to me for being nice to be wanting to be friends with these students. Anyway, yeah, it was kind of a, a early little education in kind of the social dynamics that exist in our, you know, world when it comes to disability. I think that's really significant what you said that you kind of had this like natural ability to be comfortable with people who are different than you as far as ability. And I think that like, to me, that, that touched me because I think for a lot of us, there's a natural discomfort sometimes of like, I'm not sure how to act or what ways, you know, how do I be respectful, even though I feel um, unsure and uncomfortable and, you know, I don't know exactly how to act. So I think it's really neat that you shared from a young age, you just kind of naturally felt that, that comfort being with people who are different than you. Yeah. Well, and sometimes I think it's because maybe I won't, they weren't different from me, <laughs> you know, yeah. maybe it's because I saw them and I recognized myself, which was really just someone who wanted to be them, be loved and accepted for who they actually were. Right. Instead of yeah. for some role they were playing or, you know, yeah. you're like, there's no, I love what you said that there's just not the pressure here. I know you and I have talked about this, that you had, you had a tendency to be a people pleaser. I know we're going to talk about that later, but that made me think of what you were saying of kind of this relief of like, I can be myself with this person. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, just for some reason, the unspoken social rules or like hierarchy Mm. or pecking order of like, who's got it and who doesn't have, you know, who's cool, who's in, who's out. Um, I was, you know, aware enough of that to know that it was happening whereas maybe these people maybe they were aware maybe they weren't but for whatever reason you know it wasn't really within their control to participate in that yeah (laughs) I I relate to that relief because I I noticed that I really enjoy having friends who are like they're just they're just themselves and there's not this um, feeling of like, oh, how am I supposed to act around this person? Am I cool enough for them? Am I this? Am I that? And just be like, they're just them. And I get to be just me. And that feels good. Yeah. Yeah. I actually remember um, a dear friend, one of my best friends who had, you know, did not have a disability for, through elementary school um, was at a birthday party. You know, she was like my best friend. It was my maybe like 10th or 11th birthday party. And I had invited this classmate of mine who had these disabilities and this classmate wanted to watch like a VHS tape in one of my brother's rooms instead of like play the games, you know, the games we're playing. And I remember this so vividly. I was in the bedroom, you know, trying to help her get the VHS started. And my dear friend who I love and she loves me, you know, she said, Carrie, you need to come join the party. This is your birthday party. Yeah, You know, like you need to come be with everyone else. And I remember thinking like, why? (laughs) Do I? I don't know. It was just like really interesting. Like it was just a moment I reflect on, you know, of like, I don't know. That's interesting too, because birthday parties tend to have a lot of social rules around them. Right. Of like, you're supposed to have a lot of people or, you know, you're supposed to have people there. You're supposed to blow out the candles sing happy birthday blow out the candles do the cake open the presents do the games 
like there's a lot of um, expectation there. So it's, that's, that's an interesting example. And that's really sweet that you were there helping your friend because she was more comfortable or she wanted to watch a VHS. Right. And, and I just like, it was just so impactful to me that like, here was this social norm and it excluded her. Yeah. You know, like it, it wasn't big enough to include her. Wow. And I, I think it was like, is that something I want to participate in if it's not big enough? Mm. You know, and wow. Yeah. And anyway, I feel like, yeah, it's been a theme in my life, you know, as I've gone on, you know, studying special education and, um, and with my husband as well, it's, you know, just, yeah. Unfortunately we live in a world that wasn't primarily constructed for, yeah people who don't fit a certain mold yeah and I love wow that was so beautiful you said of just like you're like wait well if this social norm like isn't big enough to include my friend like do I really want to participate in that and that like I think that is such a that is a powerful symbol for our world like you said this world wasn't made for all of right I mean well I think God did intend this world to be made for all of us (laughs) but our societal norms aren't usually constructed around minorities or around people who have a different experience than the mainstream or the um yeah even though like wouldn't it be beautiful beautiful if our society was built in a way that it was accessible for everybody and that included everybody it was big enough for everybody yeah yeah and I think um like there is a part of the part of me that's like rebellious (laughs) like (laughs) I wanted to like push back against that and you know um, I don't know, you know, I grew up kind of with this understanding of like, you know, whatever traditional gender roles and, mm-hmm. you know, man provides, woman is the nurturer, caretaker. Um, yeah, I don't, I even remember being a kid reading the proclamation of, to the, you know, the family proclamation to the world. And yeah, at the end, it says like, you know, this can be adapted to individual circumstances or needs due to death or disability and and I remember thinking like yeah that's I'm gonna do that (laughs) you know (laughs) I don't want to like I don't know I just remember feeling like I'm not gonna be the typical yeah I don't know I didn't I didn't want to fit the mold I was Mm. you know and anyway well Tell us more about your story. So you told us kind of like growing up, your exposure to this community of people with different abilities. Um, yeah, tell us more about your story. Okay, so I um, ended up studying special education in college. Um, loved the opportunity and getting to work professionally with um, individuals of all different ages, abilities. Um, and in my last year at mom BYU I met my husband who has cerebral palsy so it was kind of amazing because I had this really neat support system of my um call like you know my cohort of special educators who were like open arm you know even my professors were like oh wow great you know you're marrying this guy with cerebral palsy like how cool you know Mm -hmm. um where, you know, I would say that was atypical. I say, I would say the majority of people, you know, were maybe uncertain, uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, 
which you know is fine i mean i even the very first time i saw my husband or we interacted i thought maybe he works at campus maybe he cleans the tables maybe this is someone who lives in provo Hmm. and just interacts with the byu community so you you know you didn't assume that he was a student at byu no absolutely not so sometimes i'm like i'm just this troublemaker i just like to make waves make problems um carrie can we pause can you um explain cerebral palsy for people that are listening that don't that that don't know what that is yeah so and some people call it cerebral palsy I don't really know if there's a right way to say it um it's basically a brain injury that occurs um during or around birth so um it's a very common disability um but it's very um unique like some people's experience with it might leave them um unable to speak at all unable to Mm. move any of their body um some people's experience might leave them with really clear speech but maybe just one part of their body affected like maybe their right arm or maybe you know the left side of their body so it's basically like a stroke it's brain damage um you know oxygen was not flowing to their brain and that caused damage and so it's super you know uh, what's the right word like it could affect one person in one way and another person in a totally different uh, way. There's a lot of variety there or it's very versatile, versatile. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so my husband, cerebral palsy, I would say it impacts his speech quite a bit. He speaks s- slowly. Um, and it also impacts his like gross motors or no, no, well, Fine motor skills for sure. He can Mm -hmm. still walk, but it took him till about age seven to learn to walk. Mm, Okay. Um, And he, you know, can't really like write with a pencil very clearly. Mm -hmm. Um, So things just take him longer physically, um, but he's able to, you know, write on a computer, use a phone, you know, do certain tasks around the house. So, yeah. Um, so a question um, with cerebral palsy, is it so it could it could affect either a person's physical ability or intellectual, like mental ability? Yeah, exactly. Um, just depending on which part of the brain didn't get the oxygen. Yeah, it could impact okay. any part. So, yeah. And so, like, for example, cognition <clears throat> or IQ could be really impacted. Mm-hmm. Um or it could not be. In fact, one of the first ways my husband's family knew that he had high cognition was he would play um, memory with his siblings, oh. and he he would know where the matches were before oh, he could cool. speak, you know? Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> um, like, a question that comes to mind here, because we're talking about, you know, building empathy and understanding, um, maybe is, is a judgment that your husband sometimes comes across um, that people assume that if, if you have a physical disability, that you also have an intellectual ability, disability. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And in fact, that made me remember one other experience I had early in my life. Um, there was a woman in our ward church congregation that I grew up in who um, had uh, MS 
and she had a really hard time speaking. She was in a wheelchair. But yeah, I understood. My parents told me her brain works. You know, you can talk to her. You can ask her questions. So as a kid, it was like, I remember it being mind blowing that my mom was telling me that this woman was just like me. She understood everything that was going on, even though her body was not allowing her to speak mm-hmm. or walk or, you know, do the things that most people could do. And, and I just, I think it's like that cognitive dissonance, right? Of like, yeah, wow, this is like so crazy. I can't believe this is real. And, and then that kind of like excited me. It was like almost like a secret, you know, like, wow. Like even though everyone who sees this person assumes something like that assumption is wrong wow (laughs) you're giving me the chills (laughs) oh yeah well it's and so like anyway so I meet Andrew um we actually met at a grocery I worked at a grocery store and he came and checked out um there and he told me he was in BYU's production of Mary Poppins, which was the main stage production, which I was very familiar with because I had been a music major for a couple of years. So mm-hmm. I knew I used to be a part of the orchestra that played in the pit for these music. <laughs> so anyway, I was very familiar with what was going on. And I was kind of like, oh, oh my gosh, that's awesome. I was like, I had actually planned to go see it before I even met him. So I, um, anyway, once I went and saw the play, I read in the program, his bio and everything he'd accomplished in his life, which was substantial. I mean, he just <laughs> is like, uh, goes above and beyond in anything he's ever done. And, um, anyway, so we ended up connecting after that via Facebook and after you saw the play or just after. The- yeah. Or- yeah. After I saw the play and the rest is history (laughs) I like how you described your husband as he goes above and beyond with everything he does because I've noticed that as I've met him too is that he's just he's very passionate and he really like chases after the things that he he does yeah that's for sure he um yeah and so it's I think I was you know, I was how old? I was probably 23 or 24 when we met. And um, I had dated, you know, several different people. I had been engaged. um, And I was really looking for someone who would be a partner with me in life, you know, and someone who saw me as a as an individual, not as someone that could fill a role. You know, I wanted... I wanted a partner. I wanted someone who would go through life with me and, you know, share the values that I have and someone who wanted to be a parent, someone who wanted to, I don't know, just someone who shared kind of the passion for life that I have of, you know, wanting to do something and to see the world, you know, anyway, it it was just... You're both people, I'm just, I'm just thinking you both are people that really care a lot. Yes. And actually I remember being in um, the family, eternal families class at BYU. Mm -hmm. And I remember feeling so frustrated, like I'm never going to meet someone who cares 
as much about like the relationship or whatever as I do. Mm. And I, I even raised my hand and asked my teacher, like, do guys just not care as much as women do about like family or like yeah. marriage? And, you know, I don't know what he said. Yeah, maybe kind of. And I remember <laughs> when I met Andrew, I know, I remember when I met Andrew, I was like, wow, you know, I really did feel like, wow, we are we do share, you know, this passion and kind of, I don't know. Yeah. There's this, like this feeling of like, we're equally yoked in this way that we care a lot and that we, we share this. Yeah. And yeah, it was an interesting experience, you know, dating and there was, you know, kind of that learning curve. Yeah, Tell us about um, being in an interabled, being an interabled couple. Sure. Yeah. I mean, Sometimes I feel like I need to have more empathy for people like, hey, the first or second time they meet Andrew, they're learning about him, you know, just the same way I was learning about Does him. Does it get um, frustrating for you how people <laughs> yeah. treat him? Yeah. Yeah, especially um, in Provo where it's very, like, um, homogenous. Yeah. <laughs> like, People act the same. And you they don't, look you the don't same. Look anymore, but when you did, you especially noticed that that was a struggle. Yeah, I it was very challenging for me. I really struggled when while we were dating. I mean, I was so happy, so in love, so excited for our future together, and at the same time, there were so many moments where I would just like cry because I was so upset by an interaction we had with a stranger or, you know, maybe something that someone yeah. who I love said, you know, a concern that someone who I care about shared with me, you know, or, yeah. um, so yeah, it was, it was tricky and it continues, you know, it continues to be to a certain extent. I feel like I've, you know, grown a lot and learned how to, not care as much about what people might yeah. be thinking I was you know yeah I was gonna ask you if it's not too personal and, and also it doesn't have to be from personal experience but but just in general or from your experience like what things I'm curious what things how people react that's hurtful versus how people react that's helpful sure yeah um oh uh one just really heartbreaking experience that happened um we had gone to the Provo temple and done an endowment session together and um we were sitting in the celestial room and Andrew leaned over and like kissed me on the lips you know we were engaged or whatever and a, a temple worker walked up to us and told us to please don't do that right. and yeah it was really shocking like I didn't know if like maybe there was a new rule where you're not supposed to kiss in the Celestial room, but I just thought, wow, if this was someone without a disability, maybe his disability, you know, made this person mm -hmm. feel uncomfortable or hmm. yeah. maybe she thought she was protecting me. I don't know. But it was I was so embarrassed, you know, just Aww. so like, um, you know, just like that people's first impression of me or my spouse was so instead of wrong. it being a sweet thing of like, oh, look at that cute couple. And yeah, it's hard because too, like that's not something where they specifically pointed out anything, like about your ability differences or anything. But like, I'm sure that sometimes there's just that that question of are people treating me differently because of 
are right. Yeah, and it's funny because I am someone who, you know, I want everyone to feel comfortable. I want everyone to feel like I want people to like me. Yeah. You know, whatnot. I want if there's ten people in the room, I want all ten of those people to be my friend. Yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and where Andrew's kind of more of a, he's like, well, this is who I am, and you know, maybe of those ten people, maybe three or four of them would like to be my friend. Yeah. And that's okay. You know, he's not trying to like get the approval of all 10 of those people yeah. where, uh, you know. I mean, something you've mentioned as we were talking is that, um, well, before we, before the episode is that like you really appreciated his confidence and his like n- l- not really caring what the people thought. Well, that was actually something that had been a struggle for you of caring a little bit too much about what people thought about you. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I am like a professional micromanager, you know, we're trying to like, you know, manipulate other, how other people perceive me or people around me. And so, yeah, just watching him um, be like, this is who I am. This is what I would like to happen. This is what I need. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Like a funny story. Um, I think we were at Panera and he wanted like light ice in his <laughs> drink. Uh-huh. And I remember him being like, did you tell her light ice? Uh-huh. Like, no. <laughs> and he was like, he's like, well, well, and he was like, okay, I'm going to walk back in and-, and dump out this drink and refill it with light ice. <laughs> and I just was like horrified, you know, <laughs> This woman, this worker at this... I couldn't inconvenience her or anybody. Right, and like waste... She wanting light ice. Like, I can have my light ice. (laughs) Right, so that's just like a funny example. That has nothing to do with a disability. You know, (laughs) just like personality, you know, and just his his ease at taking up space and, you know. Yeah, he's funny. (laughs) (laughs) I that though too because you and I are similar in that way of historically being a people pleaser yeah you know you mentioned being a people pleaser being really good at making like manipulating how people perceive or see you and I want to point out that it's not that you ever manipulate someone else but it's more like you're willing to squeeze yourself into any shape to satisfy else totally that's how I've been in the past too where it's like I, I would never do something to hurt someone else but I will do anything to myself to make myself fit what you need me to be or what you want me to be or what I should be for you you know like absolutely yeah yeah exactly and he's yeah and he's okay with I uh, like I perceive it as rejection he's just perceives it as normal like I he's totally okay with someone being like well I don't even think it's on his radar being like (laughs) oh that person I don't know is just too loud or too whatever you know it yeah yeah, he just for better and for worse sometimes I'm like hey let me teach you a little bit about you know (laughs) being conscientious of those around you um but yeah it's been fun to kind of navigate and where we've been married for six years now I mean we've lived different places um it's actually it was very healing when we moved to um riverside california for his graduate program um 
And we got to just start from scratch. You know, no one knew me. No so one was that the him. first place you moved after BYU then? Yeah. Uh-huh. And um, that was like a really special experience for us. And it was a lot less stressful for me hmm. because I felt like I wasn't managing people's perception. Yeah. Like, um, it was a spe- situations that were especially hard for me were situations where people knew me before Andrew, you know, before I met Andrew, and I felt like they had some pristine vision, you know, perception of me. And now there's yeah. this loud, disabled man <laughs> I'm bringing around, you know, yeah, like this is different than what they expect from me. And that makes me feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Like that, you know, I want, like, I don't know about you, but like for me, like when people's perception of me changes, it's uncomfortable and scary. Totally. Yeah. So like, for example, even like our wedding reception in California, where people who love me and support me and want the what's best for me, I was so nervous, you know, and so worried that they thought I was making a horrible mistake or yeah well this reminds me of your uh, birthday party experience where you're like my friend wants to watch a VHS and I'm helping her and I want to like be there with her while your other friends are like hey the social norm at this event is to be in the birthday party doing all the stuff you know and you're like how do these mix like how do I (laughs) yeah well and I think I mean I yeah I totally agree and I think it brings up like even within the gospel you know, I believe that every person is a child of God, has divine um, heritage, you know, is is equal. You know, everyone is equal before our Heavenly Father. And, mm-hmm. and so I didn't like that those social norms were telling me that there wasn't room yeah. for these people. You know, it was like, because honestly, when they were saying there wasn't room for my friend or for Andrew or whatever... I, I took it personally. I'm like, well, then there's not room for me. Yeah. You know, and and so I think even though it feels really uncomfortable sometimes, you know, I am proud of myself for pushing back and saying, you know, this is my husband, Andrew. And if there's not room for him, maybe this isn't somewhere I should be. Yeah. Either. You know, like even at your own wedding reception, beginning to navigate that experience of there are people who love and know me who might not understand and have empathy for my husband and understand enough about him to want to get to know him or this or that. And so that's probably a hard thing to to navigate. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, And it's been it's been cool to for me to realize, like, yeah, kind of back to that example of like wanting the approval of those 10 people and realizing mm-hmm. you know what I can live without the approval of those 10 people <laughs> you know yeah. like if if I have a core group of support and you know if I'm living a life that aligns with my personal beliefs and values like I don't necessarily need the approval of these people even though I I would like the approval of these people you know yeah I can survive without it and it's more important to me to be married to my husband than to have their immediate approval right yeah and people and it's also like I I feel like people that that genuinely care and that you want in your life will be be the people who are like hey I want to get to know both of you more you know whether it's his friends or your friends 
um, meeting each other and being like, I want to know your spouse more. I want to know about your life. I want to be part of your life. And I'm here totally. to understand and gain empathy rather than, you know, be too uncomfortable to try or to make judgments and leave, you know? Right. Well, and people have always said like, Andrew attracts like amazing people in his life, you mm-hmm. know, and it's starting with me. Just kidding. But like, <laughs> no, but you know, even before we met, just like, because the people who want to be around him are people who, you know, have the time and energy and are willing to play the long game, I guess, you know, they're not just there for like a social transaction. Yeah. Like, you know, or like to know you for real and to understand your experience. Right. Or like, oh, if people see me with this powerful person, maybe they'll perceive me as powerful, you know, or whatever we do, yeah. you know. <laughs> yes. All the little social games and stuff. Yeah. You know, this, what we're talking about now is kind of making me think too, that maybe, um, you know, this podcast is all about empathy and it makes me think maybe sometimes the path of empathy might feel a little bit more lonely at first. Yeah, that's, that's definitely, I think can be true. It, I think it takes courage to not compromise, like, I don't know, like, sometimes I would want to, sometimes it was like a relief when maybe I would go hang out with friends without Andrew, Mm -hmm. you know, and be like, oh, I don't have to expect more of people you know what I mean like Uh, oh here we go we're meeting a stranger are they gonna say something rude or you know it's like Andrew's presence kind of demands a little more of people Hmm. than your average interaction Hmm. so yeah sometimes it'd be like oh I can pretend like I'm just a normal person who's married to a normal person (laughs) or like yeah I don't know and but yet I do believe like at the end of the day, I would never trade, you know, what yeah. we have for. Yeah. Well, I think like, it's making me think about, I've talked on the podcast before about like being autistic and how I've had a lot of experiences with like masking and trying to, to pass as, you know, quote unquote normal and pass as like, I'm just the person that you expect I am. You don't have to dig any deeper. Don't look too hard, you know, like mm-hmm. just, just sometimes. And I think that there's a balance. There's like, like you said, there's, there's times where you need to like, be like, I'm tired of social norms and expectations. I'm just going to be me. And then there are times where you're like, Oh, there's some, so some level of social norms that are like respectful or I don't know, helpful to have. Right. Right. But you kind of, we kind of navigate that a lot of like times where we're like, I, I just need to let go of those expectations. And other times we're like, okay, I, I am going to try to, there is some kind of expectation that is important to meet at this point, but it's tricky. Yeah, for sure. And I, I'm kind of at the point where people surprise me. I think for a long time, I just assumed people would be uncomfortable or, Hey, this is going to really, you know, make people feel awkward or whatever. And, Mm -hmm. and I think I've kind of gotten to a point where I'm more neutral now where I'm not like oh this I'm going into a new situation this is for sure going to be weird and stressful yeah I'm kind of at a neutral point where I'm like oh we're going into a new situation maybe it'll be weird and awkward or maybe it'll be normal and great and happy and like something that really impacted me we were at our 
um, little community swimming pool. And um, there were some tweens, like, you know, 12, 13 year olds. And, um, you know, I was kind of talking to them and I, here comes Andrew in his wheelchair. And I thought like, oh, this is going to make them feel weird. Um, anyway, so Andrew came up, I said, hi, this is Andrew. You know, this is my husband. He has cerebral palsy. And anyway, I heard some of the kids talking later and one of the girls said, oh yeah, my parents are deaf. And it was like so shocking to me. It's like we live in this world where we assume no one interacts or loves anyone with a disability. Hmm. And that's just not true. You know, it's like, like you come in here, I'm the only one here who has a family member, my husband who has a disability. And then you find out, oh, there's other people here that that gave them the space to speak about their experience too, like her parents being deaf. Yeah. And, you know, so here we are pretending that no one has a disability Mm -hmm. and I'm afraid to introduce my husband. This is going to maybe make things uncomfortable, but yeah, exactly. That created the space for this girl to be like, oh, maybe no one knows this, but actually both my parents are deaf and that really impacts my life, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, I just, yeah, there's, I mean, my husband works in, in writing and media and entertainment and, you know, he's very passionate about um, increasing exposure, you know, or instances of people with disabilities in media and because that is a way we can kind of heal as a society. Well, I love that in his comedy and stuff, he like includes jokes about his real life and his real experience having cerebral palsy because I think people like, I thought that was such a cool thing that he used comedy to kind of break the ice for that sometimes, because I think that there is this thing where people want, a lot of people do want to understand, like you said, sometimes we assume the worst, but a lot of people do want to understand and show and extend, you know, kindness and connection, but they just don't know where to start. And sometimes there's that initial awkwardness. And I I like how your husband just breaks that ice sometimes by, you know, telling jokes and stuff. But it's, it's also, I think it's like this balance too of like, we want to be the people who extend empathy and seek connection. But also I, I admire that your husband is good at kind of like breaking the ice for himself sometimes of like, Hey, here I am. This is who I am. This is how it is. Um, I'm excited to get to know you. <laughs> yeah, totally. I Okay. I have a funny story that happened at BYU too. Okay. Um, so my husband and I were both like seniors, you know, we'd been at BYU for several years at that point while we were dating and engaged and we were eating lunch together in the student center and this darling little freshman boy walks up to us and I'm like, oh my gosh, you're like a child. Um, <laughs> and... He was so sweet. And he said, hi, like, what are you doing? And I said, oh, hi, I'm eating lunch with my, you know, I'm eating lunch. I don't know what I said with my fiance here. And he said, how did you get to do this? (laughs) And I was like, Uh oh, "Oh boy, here we go. I said, oh, I think I said like, oh, I'm dating him. Yeah. (laughs) And, you know, this person was assuming maybe I was part of like a best buddies program or you know service project or service yeah it was just so it was just one of it was innocent you know it was one of those things where it's like this person was not assuming anything bad or anything wrong and there's room for improvement yeah (laughs) Um, how does your husband respond in those situations 
oh, I don't know. I think he's, he doesn't care. Like he does, he doesn't get upset about it. Yeah. I mean, I think he, and like you said, I think he copes a lot with humor and mm-hmm. <sighs> I think I was the one who was kind of like embarrassed, but <laughs> also we were able to laugh, you know? And yeah. Yeah. Be like, this is so funny, but yeah. that's, um, you know, for better or for worse, that's kind of the way people with disabilities, that's the role we've given them in our yeah culture There's, and our society. Yeah. Kind of like, this is someone that we help and that we're so charitable when we reach out to these people rather than like these are just people that we enjoy connecting with and that bring value and so many things to our community right yeah I mean, really like any you wouldn't look at any um average abled person and be like oh wow like do you, do you, are you desperate for my help you know like i don't know it's interesting yeah it's definitely like a power imbalance yeah how so we've talked about some of the things that hurt it seems like people coming in with assumptions hurts and isn't helpful or or coming in making assumptions of you're doing you're doing this as a service or you know like you're like no i'm i enjoy this person's company this is my fiance (laughs) so like (laughs) could you tell us like what things would be helpful have you had positive experiences where you're like that was a very good interaction or i'm grateful this person was informed or um I don't know, like, what would be a positive, a positive interaction? Yeah, great question. Um, I mean, I think two things kind of come to mind. The first thing, um, when in that ward in Riverside, where we were going to church, um, uh, it was when I was pregnant with our son. Mm-hmm. And um we knew we were going to need a ride to the hospital and we had like a really good friend in the ward and felt comfortable asking if he would be willing to do that. And he was just such an awesome support for us, you know, emotionally and physically, you know, being willing to like, we didn't need, you know, we didn't need a service project, but we just needed someone. Go ahead. Like, well, you just needed a friend. It wasn't like, oh, this is a huge service project. Like, this is just our buddy. We're asking for a favor. Right. It was like, yeah, we do need this. You know, we are going to need this specific help. Mm -hmm. And that would be awesome if you would be willing to help us out with that. So, yeah, exactly. It's like just being willing to get to know someone so you can help them in a way that's helpful, right? Yeah, what made you feel safe? What made you and your husband feel particularly safe asking this this person for that help? Um, this was someone who had worked for many years, like in the education system, in special education. So he was very familiar with like mm-hmm. individuals with disabilities. So I think he just, you know, like you said, they were our friends. They invited us over for, we had brought them some cookies. They invited us over for dinner. You know, it was just someone who really wanted to get to know us. And I didn't feel like he felt bad for me. Yeah. You know, or. Yeah. There wasn't, he was, wasn't a pity project or anything at all. Yeah. He would make fun of Andrew for loving Disney. So much, <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think he really just, thanks to his life experience, you know, was able to see us as two unique people. That's interesting. Who, yeah. Oh, so it seems like there was, it was helpful that he was informed and educated. Totally. And then yep. also on top of that, 
like that alone obviously is not everything but like him being a kind friend but also like it I think it there is real value in us being educated because with anything you know with whether it's depression or anxiety or a physical disability cerebral palsy or OCD or whatever it is autism I think that it's important not to have assumptions of like, I know this person because I've met someone else with this same, Mm -hmm. but being like, I've, I have a collection of information in my mind that I've been exposed to. I've, I've done research. I've been educated. I've met lots of different people. And so I'm coming into this knowing that there's a lot of variety in humanity and that there's a lot of different kinds of people and I have exposure to them. I'm not scared of them. And I feel like, I don't know. It's interesting. I feel like, even though learning about, you know, autism won't make you understand everybody who's autistic or one person who has cerebral palsy won't make you understand everybody who has cerebral palsy. There is this um, beauty in like exposing your minds to variety and to diversity so that you are less surprised and uncomfortable when you meet somebody new. And instead you're like, I enjoy learning about people <laughs> and new things, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, there is a fear, I think a discomfort, a lot of people feel so yeah anything we can do to alleviate that um there's what comes to mind there's a um youtube channel called special books by special kids and i love that channel yeah that really helped me honestly growing up watching those videos because often we want to maybe like stare at someone who looks different than us or you know we might not know what to say and so just having the chance to like watch those videos and stare you know it's like in a socially appropriate way yeah to like learn and be like whoa this is something I've never seen I'm really intrigued by this yes um just for the audience to hear the YouTube channel is called special books by special kids and I I totally agree with what you're saying Carrie is that it's helpful to have a place where you can be exposed to so much variety because this the individual who does the channel he just interviews people of all different kinds of abilities um and like all different kinds of experiences and it's true being able to like you said sometimes curiosity does cause us to stare or to maybe we have an uncomfortable expression on our face I don't know you know but like being able to start diving into this world of being exposed to variety it really does help you to react in a different way because I think instead of your first reaction being you know trying to be kind but your face showing how uncomfortable you are you know like you just kind of develop this you become more comfortable with what was uncomfortable before. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then another thing that came to mind, kind of what's helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, so Andrew grew up loving Disney movies um, in particular, which led to an obsession with Disney theme parks, <laughs> history. Uh-huh. Um, and I really have to say, like, Disney is a company that, has put their money where their mouth is. I mean, they hire individuals with all types of Hmm. disabilities. And we have felt like we knew we could come out here to Florida where we live and Andrew could be hired and he would be seen as a person that has value, Hmm. not as like, oh, okay, here's a person with a disability, you know. Yeah. Put them. I guess like we're required to hire you know, not discriminate. So I guess we'll have to put this person in this department or whatever. Yeah. And so I just think, you know, there are to anyone who's, you know, disabled themselves or 
looking for kind of communities that would accept but I would just say there are people out there you know not to give up there are communities there are um people who are willing you know to put their arms around you and see you for who you are and see you as a valuable asset to whether it's you know employment or or friendship or whatever it is to see that value of like there's someone I really want to work for me you're somebody I really want to have in my life as a friend yeah and I just think like disability is one of those kind of marginalized groups that's always been interesting to me because at any point any one of us could become disabled if we're not already disabled, you know, it's like, interesting. and I, I believe it's like 20%, you know, of people of Americans have some disability. I've never thought of that. Like what a shock it would be if you're used to being in kind of blind and like, you know, not noticing disability at all. And then suddenly, you know, getting in an accident or something and becoming disabled and being like, wow, I don't know anything about this community or anything about accommodations or anything at all. Like, yeah, that would be shocking. Yeah. And I just think, yeah, it's worth our time to, you know, open our eyes and see, you know, what, what would be helpful, you know, people with disabilities don't need to have everything done for them, you know, like, and there are some things they do maybe need help with, whether that's my husband, you know, he doesn't have a driver's license. So we, you know, spent a lot of money on Ubers and Lyfts and, you know, yeah. um, whereas, you know, someone with a different disability might not need that at all. You know, they, so just, you know, I love this podcast, right? Empathy building. It's just taking a few more minutes to get to know someone, not for what they are to you at face value. Right. Like, yeah. Looking beyond that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be, you know, a lifelong pursuit. You don't have to marry someone with a disability. (laughs) It's like, you don't have to be a special ed teacher. Um, But it's just, you know, wanting to get to know someone for who they are instead of maybe for a label. Yeah. Um, You're making me think about my experience um, on BYU campus after having my kids. And even though, you know, having kids is not necessarily a disability or something but walking around campus with my kids like people looked at me and I was pushing this big stroller and I suddenly realized I didn't know where any of the ramps were to access the buildings and so I was like navigating campus with my big stroller everybody looking at me and trying to find all the ramps and stuff because I couldn't go up the stairs and I made me think like for the first time I've seen students here in wheelchairs. How do they make it to class on time? You know, like, how do they get around? Do they have to plan their route every time they go to campus? And it was like really eye-opening for me. And it made me realize, like, I would like to do more things like that and learn more so that my eyes can be opened in those ways instead of just kind of being oblivious. Right. Yeah, it's, it is so true. And it, there's small things like that. Yeah, like ramps, access to elevator. Um, I mean, something as simple as like grocery delivery is like life changing, (laughs) you know, that's one less thing that I have to do because Andrew's not able to drive to the grocery store, you know? And yeah. um, Yeah. I mean, there has never been a better time to be alive, 
you know, as far as like access yeah. goes. Um, I know there's a long way to go, but it's good to hear that too, that it's, there are a lot more accommodations now. There are. And, you know, with YouTube and social media, I mean, we are just have access to such better information and um, yeah, there's just an endless amount of information you can access there are people you can talk to that maybe you would never been able to talk to before in fact that makes me think when so I had a hard time understanding Andrew the first time we met you know his speech can be a little difficult to understand and um in the very first days that we were getting to know each other um like I mentioned we connected via Facebook and we were messaging you know through messenger yeah sending messages back and forth and, and he's that a was, writer yeah yeah that was like a really helpful way for us to get to know each other without the barrier of his speech yeah um anyway and you know yeah without yeah. the barrier of like being like oh I, I don't understand as much as I want to or as easily as I would like to right so yeah something as simple as phones that help us communicate quickly and efficiently Thank you Pretty so amazing. much. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for everything you've shared. And is there any last things you want to share or or do you have any last um, messages for us about how we can develop and show more empathy? Yeah, I would just say, you know, every single one of us is so much more than just a first impression or you know, a snap judgment. Um and we, you know, we ourselves are so much more than just, you know, maybe what people perceive us as. And I would just encourage anyone listening, you know, to take the time to get to know someone that may be a little different from you or um, maybe it makes you feel a little uncomfortable. And, you know, it's okay to push through that discomfort and um, and you might end up finding, you know, finding a friend or finding someone who has a lot more in common with you than you would have initially thought. That's so beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing. And I, I, I just love that because I think that's the message that everybody needs is that you're more than, than your first impression or you're more than what you can or can't do. And that we need to see other people that way too. And ourselves. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And it's, yeah, we're all in this together. You know, it's not a perfect world out there, but there is, um, you know, we're we're making we're making strides. It's not a perfect world out there, but there can be so much good when we're when we're there with each other. You know, when we're helping each other. And I think for me, like the most valuable thing in this life has been my relationships, and what a gift to be able to form even more relationships with really meaningful people and you know, everybody's God's child. So there's just this joy in connecting with a new person. Yeah, absolutely. Taking down these barriers can really help. um, Yeah. More, more of that. Definitely. Well, thank you, Carrie. I appreciate you so much. This was great. Yes. Thank you. And look forward to talking again soon. All opinions expressed in this podcast are my own. I do not represent the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I hope you enjoyed listening today. 
And you know what? Instead of saying, have a great day, I'm going to say, have a day. It might be a good one. It might not. And that's okay. Keep growing. Keep loving yourself. You've got this. Thank you.